If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Psalms chapter 139, Psalm chapter 139, and we're going to continue our series on trusting Him, and, uh, and I hope this series has been uh, a blessing for you, a challenge for you in the area of giving, but not just in the area of giving, though that was really our primary focus, but just in the area of trusting God in your Christian life, on your day-to-day living, and we've learned so much about what it means to trust God, and I trust that uh, these principles have been a help to you as we've been studying them from God's Word. Psalm chapter 139, and as you can see on the title of the message, it's a two-part series or two-part message, I should say, and it's the last really two messages of this series, and then we'll be moving on to a new series uh, in in three weeks, but uh, I hope that uh, these last two messages are a challenge and an encouragement to you as, uh, as they are and as they were to me as I studied them, and, uh, and hopefully it'll be something that will challenge you in this area of trusting God and challenging you to take that trust to the next level, the next step, which is giving in trust, all right, and trusting Him through our giving. Psalm chapter 139, and we're going to read two verses and this morning is going to be a little bit more of a topical message, not so much an expository message. We're not going to just focus on one passage this morning, but we're going to be looking at various different passages and, and learning some different principles on giving and on trusting Him as we give. So we're going to start here in Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in your word. And I pray that as we study this morning of what it really means to trust you, as we take this test of trust, I pray that we would be able to not only have head knowledge of it, but Father, that we could have heart knowledge as well. That we would believe it with all of our heart and that we would practice it with all of our might and with all of our strength. So Father, I pray that you would help us illuminate us this morning. Pray that you would fill me with your spirit that I might be able to communicate with clarity the message that you've laid on my heart. And that Father, it would be an encouragement and a help to your people this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, trusting God is perhaps the most important factor in our giving to God. It's very simple. A lack of giving to God in your life indicates that you have a lack of trust for God in your life. I'll say that again. A lack of giving in your life is a clear indication of a lack of trust in God in your life. And this this is something that we see over and over and over, not only through the scriptures, but in our daily living, in our Christian walk. We We can find that when there are times that we don't want to give, it's not usually a lack of love as much as it is a lack of trust. We have sometimes this mindset that if I do this, I don't know that God will do His part. But you know, the difference in someone who is trusting God and someone who is not trusting God is not found in the knowledge that they possess of God. 
Sometimes people have a clear understanding of what the Bible says. In fact, you start talking to them and they might uh, quote more scripture to you. They might tell you, oh, I, I heard that the Bible says this or I grew up in church and, and I know that the Bible says this and this and this. And, and sometimes the difference in someone that is giving, someone that is trusting God, it's not found in the knowledge that they possess, but rather in the principles that they practice. What's going to make the difference in your life and in my life if we're going to have this true giving to God, this true really trusting of God, then we're going to have to practice the principles of God's Word. Now, in the first two messages, we, we learned and we grew in these principles of knowing and answering the question, is God trustworthy? Can I trust God with what I have? And we found that God is trustworthy because of the gifts that he gives us are very generous. And, and we also found that he's trustworthy because his care for us is, is constant. It's there every day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. We find that God's care for us is always constant. And so we answered the question, yes, God is trustworthy. Then we learned last week, well, how about the question, can God trust me? And, and we learned that it's important for us to understand that God is looking at us. God is put us as managers of the gifts that he gives us. We looked in the book of Luke how there was a story, a parable that Jesus taught of a manager that wasn't good, a bad manager, a man that was fired from his job because he did not manage well what was given to him to manage. And we learned some principles of how it is that God looks at us and says, I want to be able to trust you. I want to be able to trust you with the money that I give you and with the family that I give you and with the job that I give you and with the health that I give you. I want to be able to trust that when I give you these gifts, you're going to manage them right. And we learned that it's important to answer those two questions. Am I trusting God and is God trusting me? But in the next two messages, I, I really want to talk about the test of that trust. Perhaps you can say, yes, I know that God is trustworthy. And perhaps you could answer, yes, I believe that God can trust me. I, I want God to trust me with what he gives me. Well, then how do we know if you're trustworthy? What is the test that you can take to know that you're trustworthy? You know, uh, centuries ago, uh, when when people were buying, of course, precious metals, and they still do today, but when they were buying precious metals like gold, there was a lot of people that were selling gold, but it was not real gold. People would go around to different villages, and, and they'd set up shop just for a while, and, and they would start selling to the people there in, in that village or in that city. They would start selling them gold, but what was found out later by many people is that the gold that they had purchased wasn't really gold at all it was just a metal that was painted in the color gold and because this was happening quite a bit they they came up with a way to start looking to find how do we know if the gold that I'm buying is real and so they would get the gold that they were buying to to sort of test it they would get a black stone and they would mark the stone with the gold now, gold is a very precious metal, and it's a, has a very high tolerance 
of many things. And one of the things that it can tolerate really, really well is acid. So what they would do is they would get the gold ring and they would mark the black rock. It would leave a mark there and then they would apply acid to it. Now, once you applied, you applied that acid to it, if the mark disappeared, you would know that's not real gold. Anything that's not real gold, that metal, the acid, when it hits that metal, it'll go away real quick. But if it's real gold, that mark will stay there. Because the qualities of gold are much stronger to that and resistant to that corrosive acid. Well, in our Christian life, if you're going to answer the question, hey, can, can God trust me? Can I trust God? How do I know I'm living a life of trusting God in this area of giving? Well, then you can have an acid test. That acid test will tell you if, yes, you are or no, you are not really trusting him. So this morning, I'm going to share with you three acid tests that you can take to measure that trust in God. And to do that, I'm going to use the word trust as an acrostic. We're just going to look at the first three letters today, and then next week we'll look at the last two letters, okay? The first three letters on the word trust, and we're going to use it as an acrostic, as an acid test to measure how much are we trusting God. Number one, or letter T, if you will, the first thing that you're going to do, the first test you're going to take is to take an inventory. Take an inventory. Now, I want you to notice here in Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, David throughout the chapter has been talking about what God has done for him, how well God knows him, how there's nowhere that David can go that God would not know where he is at. There's nothing that David could do that David said that God would not know that I did. There's nothing that I have that God would not know that I have. God knows everything. And, and at the end of really writing all that psalm down, he, he ends with those two verses that we read. He ends with this request. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, as David reflected on God's working in his life, he made just a really simple request. He said, God, I want you to take an inventory of me. Take an inventory of me. That's why he says, search me, O God. You know that word search it's the same word for examine or test. David, at the end of that psalm, is saying, God, I want you to test me. I want you to take an inventory of me. And it's interesting in the request because he gives really three thoughts that are really impressive in this and very important in your Christian life in this passage. Number one, when it comes to taking an inventory, this first thought is so important. Only God knows everything about us. Only God. God knows more about you than your parents do, than your boss does, than your husband or your wife know. God knows who we are absolutely, totally, through and through. Now, understanding that, understanding that, okay? Now when you pray, God, take an inventory of my life, search me, and know my thoughts. Man, that's a, that's a little bit of a different request now. Because, see, God knows what you were thinking yesterday and the day before. God knows what you were thinking when you were arguing with your spouse. God knows what you were thinking when you were at school doing whatever it was you were doing or you're at work. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you've done. He knows how you're thinking. He knows where you're going. God knows everything there is to know about you. 
That's why it's so important to ask him, God, would you search me? Do you know God knows you better than you know you? Isn't it interesting that the psalmist said, search me and know my thoughts. You would think like, David, don't you know your own thoughts? And why are you asking God to, to, to search your thoughts? Don't you know your thoughts? But you know that God knows you better than you know you. David was asking him, can you search my thoughts? Because he was saying, man, I'm even unsure of my thoughts. It's so important for us to understand if we're going to trust God, you have to really believe God knows everything about me. And when I ask him to search me, listen, I'm asking God, would you just indicate to me, are my thoughts right? Am I, am I really trusting you when I say that I trust you the way I'm living or is it really my way of trusting you? But I'm not really trusting. In other words, God, would you indicate to me that when I gave this morning, did I really give to you? Or was it something that I was doing like insurance? Some people have this thought like, oh, we got to give to God. If not, you know, lightning's going to strike us. Let me just put that thought to rest. He will not strike you down. God does not scare people and try to get them to give to him, or if not, he's going to bring judge fire, judgment and fire on them. That's not how God works. It's not how God thinks. But the psalmist, in, 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 in understanding this thought, decided to say, God, would you search my thoughts? Would you search me? Would you search my motives today? When you're taking an inventory, you got to know God knows everything about me. But then he also says this in the psalm. And we learn this, that only God can lead me correctly. The psalmist said, and lead me in the path everlasting. There's something that David knew and he said, I can't do this by myself. I can't go on this path on my own. In fact, the scriptures say in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone every man and turned to his own way. It's within our nature to just sort of wander off the path. It's our nature to, to get away from God. And that's why David says, when I take an inventory, I got to ask God, God, you know my thoughts better than me. What are my motives? Why am I trusting you? Is it because I really trust you or is it because I'm being selfish? And God, on the path that I take every day, is it because I'm trusting you that I'm walking this way? Or is it because this is what everybody tells me to do? You know, what can happen in your Christian life, and this can happen to anybody. Listen, this can happen to anybody, even the most spiritual Christian. Is that you can start thinking that Christianity and your journey in the Christian life is all one big formula. It's a big formula, like if I do give, and then I go to church, and then I pray, that equals me being super spiritual. But you know, there's a lot of people that pray. And Jesus said, the way they pray is vain repetitions. They're not even thinking about what they're praying. They're not even thinking about what they're saying. They're just kind of answering and saying the same thing over and over again. I mean, how many of you would like to live with somebody that anything you told them, they would just answer the same thing back to you? No matter what. Do you watch the game? I like pizza. 
That's great. Uh, you want to go with me to the store? I like pizza. Okay. Um, do you like this shirt? I, I was thinking about wearing it tonight. I like pizza. Great. You know, if we had someone like that in our life, we wouldn't talk to them very much. We start thinking about, like, are you even listening to what I'm saying? You know, sometimes if we're not careful in our Christian life, that's what happens. You start praying, but are you really thinking about what you're telling God? Are you really praying to God, or is it just something I got to do to get through this day? Am I, am I giving? I mean, is this something real in my life, or is this just something that, you know, I do because this is my routine in life? So important when you're taking inventory, say, God, lead me correctly today. There's decisions I'm going to make at work. God, help me to make the right decisions. When I come home, there's decisions that me and my spouse have to make. God, help us have the right decision, make the right decision with our children. Man, with our, with our family. <laughs> Taking an inventory, you find that the psalmist said, only God can lead me correctly. And then you'll find that this last thought, taking inventory and trusting God begins with me. As you take an inventory, understand this morning, it starts with you. It's not something that your mom or dad can live for you, your coworker, your wife, your husband, your children. This is a decision that you and I have to make individually. Taking inventory, it always starts with you. Now look at Proverbs chapter 3. I don't know if I put it in your notes, but if it's not, just you can look on the screen or turn in your Bible if you would. Proverbs chapter number 3, and verses 5 through verse number 10. And I, wanna, I just want to count real quick how many times it says you, because this is something that uh, now the, the author of Proverbs, which is Solomon, he's the wisest man to ever live, and he's here and he's, and he's sharing some wisdom uh, with us. And, and I want you to notice how much of the responsibility he puts on you and me. Notice in verse number 5, going through verse number 5 and verse number 10, you'll find how many times you is, is given or implied, right? The, uh, uh, you know what an imperative sentence is, right? It's a sentence that really starts with a verb, but the subject is understood as you. Like, go get the paper. Well, it's understood that you go get the paper. That's, that's an imperative sentence. You'll see some imperative sentences in this passage, which is talking about you. Now, I want you to notice this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's two U's right there. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then you lean not on your own understanding, on your own understanding. That's four. In all thy ways, five, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Six, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall, be, uh, shall burst out with new wine. Notice how many times, at least 12 to 15 times you can count. Where he's saying you, you, you. This of taking an inventory of trusting God in this giving, it all begins with you. It begins with what you're going to decide to do today. What you're going to decide to do tomorrow when you wake up. Are you going to decide to trust God or are you not? I can't do it for you. 
and no one else can do it for you. you got to make that decision on your own. The first acid test that we must take is to take an inventory. God, you know everything about me. God, tell me, are my motives, are my thoughts right? Is my love for you real? God, the path that I'm walking, is it the path that you would want me to walk? Are these the decisions you would have me to make? God, have I made that decision already? Because it starts with me. Then there's the letter R. The letter R stands for recognize God as your source. Now, let me just say, we all have to come to a point in our lives where we recognize God as a source of everything for us. We all have to come to that point in our life. I like the story of the, the dad that was talking to his son, and, and he was uh, sort of just telling him about the different facts of life since he was growing up, and, and he was already in elementary, and he was just telling him different truths that his boy could understand, and his boy was just so amazed at his dad and, 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 and listening to him. He's, I can't believe that and this and that. And his dad just kept telling him different things. And finally, his dad finished telling him what he was telling him. And, and the boy was so surprised. He said, Dad, does God know all of this? You know, sometimes in our life, we need to get to the point to where we say, you know, God knows all of this. It's not a surprise as we look at God of what we have, God is never surprised. And we got to get to a point in our life where we see God is the source of everything I have. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Moses wrote, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. One of the things that Moses... And then Joshua, after Moses had passed on, reminded the people was, when you get into the promised land that God has promised you, just remember who brought you here. When you got your nice house with your nice vineyards, when you get to the point where all those cities with those big walls have been torn down and all of your enemies have left you alone and they vacated the property and now you're in your home with your land and with your cattle and you have all these blessings, don't forget how you got there. Don't forget who it was that got you out of Egypt. Don't forget who it was that destroyed Pharaoh. Don't forget who it was that brought the walls down in Jericho. Just don't forget how you got to where you're at. You know, it's real easy sometimes as people, as, as Christians, for us to start thinking, well, no, no, I'm a hard worker. I get up at 5 every morning, and I work till about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and, and I, I, I put a sweat, blood, and tears for this house. This is my house. And, and we don't realize, you know, God got you up at 5 in the morning. God gave you the health that you had to work for 15 hours that day. Sometimes we don't realize that until we're waking up in a hospital going, what happened? You have a son or a wife or someone there that's saying, I don't know. You had a cardiac arrest. I don't know. You just blacked out. I don't know. But you couldn't move. And suddenly you're laying on the bed and you're starting to realize, man, I really don't have all the power that I thought. 
Maybe it's not really all about me. And sometimes we learn this lesson a little late to recognize, you know, God is the source of everything I have. So if he demands of me my time, it's okay. Because it's really his time. If he demands of me to give more of my uh, money to him, hey, it's his money. Just understanding that God is your source. And then the letter U this morning, understand God's principles. Understand God's principles. You know, many times Christians lack a real life of giving because we don't really understand God's principles. We, we sort of feel sometimes that it doesn't make sense. I don't know if, if, I, if I'm the only one here, and I might be, but you ever come across something and say, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense? Something in the Bible, something that God is asking you to do, and you're going, that just doesn't make sense. Sometimes God might ask you to, to do something that you feel you have no talents in. Might be that God lays it on the heart of maybe the Sunday school director asks you to teach a class, and you go, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. I can't get up and leave. I can't teach a class. I don't have that kind of personality. That's not me. But you ever stop to think, why did they even think about me to do that? I mean, do you think they just sort of randomly took your name out of a hat? Or do you think that perhaps God laid your name on that person's mind to come and talk to you? You see, sometimes God asks us to do things that just really, really don't make sense. I think of the lady in the Old Testament there in the book of Kings. When Elijah came to her, God had sent Elijah to her and said, this widow is going to take care of you. And, and he goes to her and he says, I, I need you to feed me and make me a cake. And she said, listen, I know you're a prophet and I know maybe God has sent you this way. But let me just tell you, all I have left is just for me and my son. And that's all I got. After that, we're going to die. There's no more food. We, we're, there's a famine in the land. What are we going to do? This is my plan. And Elijah said, just feed me first. That doesn't make sense. Sometimes God asks us to do things that just don't make sense. Sometimes giving doesn't make sense. Anyone that's done a budget knows that sometimes you start looking at your budget, and you go, I, I cannot give to this. And it just seems like when the funds are lowest, you come to church, and that's when, like, pastors always asking, like, oh, we're going to do a fundraiser. <laughs> give to this. Or there's a missionary visiting. Give to this. And you're just like, man, if you would have done that two weeks ago. It would have been great. But now? Now I got nothing. And it doesn't make sense. And it just seems like God is asking you to do something that, that doesn't make sense. And sometimes in our human thinking, it doesn't. But you know, God, God has a way of doing things that seem like they don't make sense to us, but they make perfect sense. <laughs> God takes the impossible and makes it possible. It's called a life of faith. A life of faith doesn't always make sense. You can't always explain it to people. You ever had a family member that perhaps doesn't go to church or is not a Christian, and then they ask you, why do you always keep giving to that church? Why do you always donate your time doing this and that? 
just doesn't make sense to them. But you know, it's when we follow God's principles that we enjoy the greatest blessings of the Christian life. You get the greatest joy when you do those things that don't make any sense to us, humanly speaking. But they make perfect sense because they go along because they're God's principles. You know, there's so many times where that happens. So many times where things don't make sense. In fact, sometimes we don't think we can give and meet our own needs. You ever had that principle? You say, well, I know God says that we need to give. But, you know, I don't know, Pastor, that I can give and still make it through the week. And sometimes we, we have that contradiction in our mind and we say, no, I don't think that can happen. I think God's confused. Maybe, maybe Pastor's a little bit confused on that. Sometimes we don't know how to give. Sometimes there are times where in our life we, we want to start giving, and yet we're like, I, I don't even know how. How do, how do I start giving? How, how, do I, how do I trust God in that way? And by the way, God knew that was going to happen. And you know what he put in his word to help us? He put this principle called a tithe, the giving of a tithe. You see it in the book of Genesis. You'll see it in the book of Exodus. You'll see it in the book all throughout the Old Testament. You see this of tithe. And then when you get to the New Testament... It's even beyond the tithe. It was like there's tithe giving and then there's even more beyond that. And, and Paul talked about giving more than just that. But abounding, and we're going to look at that in a little bit, abounding in our giving. But you know what a good starting place is? If you say, I, I'd like to, I just give, I just don't know how to give, start with the tithe. That's 10%. It's a percentage, just 10% of whatever God has given you. 10% of that paycheck coming right to the Lord. That's a really good place to start giving. Sometimes it's not that we don't think we can give and meet our own needs. Sometimes it's that we don't know how to give. Sometimes the reason we don't give is that we don't plan to give. Sometimes the thought comes, well, I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> By the way, that's a lie from the devil that, that says you'll never be able to give anything. That's not true. So oh, I don't know, you don't know my bills or you don't know my financial situation. I don't. You're absolutely right. But God does. And I'll remind you, I'm not the boss. I'm a manager just like you. But I know what the boss has said. I know the responsibility that was given to me and to you in managing. And listen, if you don't start planning to give, you're never going to give. Just plan it out. Plan to say, you know what? Next week, I'm giving. Tonight, I'm giving. After church, I'm giving. I, I'm just going to plan to give. Make it something that you're going to do. Don't just say, oh, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to afford that. I don't think I can do that. Don't believe those lies. That's what the devil wants you to think. You'll never be able. You can't. But God says, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I know you might think you can't give and meet your own needs, but you can. You might say, I don't know how to give. God said, look, and just start with your tithe. You might say, well, I, I, I need to start planning to give. Yes, start planning to give. And God will help you do that. You say, well, why is it so important? Man, you've been talking about giving so much. What, what about understanding God's principles? What are those principles? I'm going to give you five difference-making principles really quick. The next seven or eight minutes. Number one, 
This first principle is the who's in charge principle. It's real simple, this principle. It says, God is the owner, I'm the manager. God is the owner, I'm the manager. Look in your notes, Psalm 24, verse number 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It's a real simple principle of God's word. The who's in charge principle. He's the owner, I'm the manager. You know, when you begin to live this principle in your life, you can answer the question, who's going to run my life? Somebody asks you, who's running your life? You can say, God's running my life. You see, because he's the owner and I'm just the manager. It's the who's in charge principle that the Bible teaches, and I have found that he's in charge. I'm just a manager. Then you have a second principle, the give and grow principle. The give and grow principle. And this principle says, practicing stewardship produces growth. Practicing stewardship produces growth. By the way, that is why it's so important in your life to develop a life of trust in giving to God. Listen, you're not going to grow in your life until you start trusting God with your life. Giving produces growth. It's unbelievable. Someone had made the comment that if you look in Matthew 6, 19 to, to 21, it's a very popular passage, a very well-known passage that says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said, you see, some people look at it and say, see, where your heart is, there's your treasure. But God said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. It almost seems like giving precedes the heart. Why? Because giving leads to growth in your life. Giving is an act of trust for God. When you and I begin to trust God, trust changes everything. Then I want you to notice a third principle. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, I think it's in your notes. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, Paul told the Corinthians, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to, to us, see that you abound in this grace also. You know what Paul was talking about? In giving. Abound in this grace. What is that grace? Giving. Number three, the do it now principle. The do it now principle. This one states that stewardship deals with our present resources. It deals with our present resources. In other words, what you have now. I love what Exodus chapter 4 verse 2 says. This is when Moses was telling God, God, I cannot be the guy that you're calling. I don't even, I, 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 I stutter. God, I stutter. I don't speak in public. And it's interesting as Moses is having this argument with the guy that gave him his mouth. By the way, later he admitted that in, in Psalms. Who gave you your mouth? God, God said later in that conversation, who gave you your mouth? Well, well, you did. So don't you think I'll know how to use it best? That was the principle that we've learned on that very first principle. Who's in charge principle, right? But the do it now principle. And, and God asked a simple question to Moses. He says, in verse 2, and the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. You know, that rod would later, later turn into a snake. And then he'd pick it up and it'd turn into a rod again. That rod would be used to be held up with his hands. And the Red Sea would part. 
that rod was going to be something that God would do some amazing miracles in our world. And he never told Moses, that's what I'm going to do with the rod. He just said, what's in your hand? You know, you might not know at the end where all the money that you give goes to. You might not meet every missionary that we're supporting, and you might not go to any of their churches, and you might not see all the fruit of their labor, but let me just tell you something. that When you give to God what is in your hand, God can do the impossible. Like what impossible? Like parting the Red Sea impossible. See, that's the do it now principle. It teaches what is in your hand right now. I, I, it's interesting when people say, man, uh, Pastor, if I, if I ever won the lottery, if I won $100,000, man, I, I'd give that to the church. And I find it funny because many times those people are not even giving 10% to the church, but they're going to give 100% later. That's, that's the opposite of the do it now principle. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you're not doing it now, you won't do it later. If you can't give $10 now, you're not given $1,000 later, I can promise you. The do-it-now principle states that we need to give our present resources. You know, when you live this principle, you get to answer the question, what can I give now? What can? What is it that you have? And then the fourth principle is the I'm in debt principle. I know many of us are like, yeah, I got that one down. I got like five credit cards. Not that kind of debt is what I'm talking about. I'm not saying debt in credit card debt. This principle states the moment that we're born, we're in debt. And you say, what do you mean I'm in debt? Well, there's two really areas that we're in debt. Number one, we're in debt to God because everything he, we have is his. But we're also in debt to others. God has placed us to be a blessing to others and an encouragement to others. Look what Paul said. I'll, I'll show you. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Something that really moved Paul was that thought, this principle. Man, I'm a debtor. I, I, I need to give to others. I am in debt for all that God has given me. I need to reflect that and give to others. It's the I'm in debt principle. The moment we're born, we're in debt. Then the fifth and last principle here this morning is the fountain of youth principle. And this one states that we live forever through our giving. We live forever through our giving. Joshua chapter 4. 5, 6, and 7, it's there in your notes. It says, And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Man, this is a perfect illustration of this principle, the fountain of youth. Joshua said, all the heads of the tribes of the, go into the midst of Jordan and get some stones out of there. 
It's going to take work. It's going to be sacrificing. You're talking about these big stones. There weren't like little pebbles. You're you're talking about these big stones. And they were going to make a monument so that generations later they'd be able to look and say, what does that mean? Hey, Dad, why are those stones there? They're in the River Jordan. That doesn't look like it's natural. What, what, What is that? And the father was going to be able to say, you know, when we first came to this land, the Jordan River was blocking us. But then God's presence made a way. And this is to remind us that God will always make a way. And that's what that memorial is there for. If I can use some modern illustration here, I'd say that I pray that in 10 and 15 and 20 years, and some of you college students or younger couples have kids and they're growing up and they look at that building right over there, right across the alleyway here, they would say, Dad, when did that building go up? Why did we build that building at church? And that someone could say, you know, son, I gave to that building. Because it was a building that reminds us of our mission of what God's given us. It's a building that we're going to be able to use to, to reach others with the gospel of Christ. And I know you go and, and you play in there and we have food in there. We have a lot of fun. But you know, when I look at that building, son, I remember that I trusted God. And as I trusted and gave God, look at what God gave. Look at what God has done. You see, the fountain of youth principle says when I, when I give, I leave something behind. I'm building something. Every one of these principles answers some very trying questions. That first principle, the who's in charge, answers who's going to run my life. The give and grow principle answers the question, am I growing? The do it now principle answers the question, what can I give now to God? The I'm in debt principle answers the question, who can I help today? And the fountain of youth principle answers the question, what am I building for tomorrow? Five simple uh, principles. Five simple principles. Understanding God's principles. Let me tell you something. That's a key. That's a key in this thing of trusting God. The acid test that we have seen this morning. Number one, taking an inventory. Number two, recognizing God as the source of your life. Understanding, number three, God's principles. I wonder, as you took the test this morning, how'd you do? What kind of grade do we have? Sometimes I think, as a church, what kind of grade do we have? Have we been faithful with what God has given us? Have we used it in a way that we say, I'm just managing what God's given? With this acid test in your life, I wonder, are you trusted him? If not, today's the day to decide, I'm going to trust God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your truth and for your word. This morning, Father, we, we must come to that point in our life where we confess God, truly, 
if we are to give, it's because we trust you. And a lack of that trust always leads to lack of giving. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning as we ask ourselves these, these questions, I pray that you would help us to be able to answer in a way that, that can say, I'm, I'm living a, a life of trust in God. Father, I pray that each and every one of us here would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That Father, if we're not trusting you the way we ought, help us to do so. Help us to remember these principles and live them in our life. Understanding that the difference is not in what we know, but what we live. Not what we possess, but what we practice. Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us to trust you with our life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.